Rosie Harcastle. You can find me at Rosie Harcastle on Instagram to follow all the latest shenanigans in Dogdo. Joining me this week is a man known in the dog world for his love of the Bichon Freeze. I'm not sure is it Freeze or Frise, but this busy father is a groomer by trade. He handles Bichons and he loves a grooming competition. Although our paths must have crossed at some point, this is actually the first time we've properly met. So a really big welcome to Rich Smith. Hello. Merci. <laughs> so Bichon Freeze or Frise? I say Bichon Freeze. Some people yeah. say Bichon Frise. I don't know what... I'm not sure what the correct, whether it is Frise. I think it's Frise, but I tend to say Bichon Freeze, but I yeah. think it is Frise. <laughs> I, think, I think the jury's out because, like you say, I think it is Frise, but I, yeah. and I try to say it, but I just feel like a bit of an idiot saying it like that. I yeah, know I know. Why. It's a bit, yeah, I know, I know what you mean. Bichon Frise. It sounds a little bit. <laughs> yes. Bloody da. Bloody da. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So no, there's nothing wrong with a bit of lardy dar every now and then, I guess. <laughs> no, bring your fan, put your fancy pants on, Rich. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> so what's your tipple of choice for this part? Mine is, I have a glass of white wine. I've had a really busy day. Ooh. We are recording this at 6pm. And yeah. so my mum has kindly bought me a glass of Verdicchio, which is oh, an Italian her. wine. So I feel like you I need to say it in an, yeah, in an accent. Yeah, good mum. <laughs> What about I, you? Well, I am currently sipping on a pint of Vimto. Very classy. So no British! <laughs> yeah, it's very British. Um, so, yeah, no alcohol for me tonight. It's a school night and I'm a good boy in, on school nights. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, I absolutely love a juice. I was brought up on juice, you know. Oh, yeah. Yes. Ribena, Vimto, top. They are the top juices. <laughs> Definitely. I'm with you on that one all the way. So where did your love of dogs come from, Rich? Did you grow up around dogs? I've always, always loved dogs. And I didn't have any dogs when I was really, really little. And I pestered my mum for a dog for, for quite a number of years. Then finally, when I was about 10, um, I didn't know that she was going to do it, but she went to a local rescue centre and she got, um, she came home with a little, with a, well, she was quite big. She was a Collie Cross and she was called Jenny and she was lovely. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she was meant to be the family dog, but she was like my dog, really. And mm-hmm. uh, that was the first dog I had. And then that was it. I had a string of other dogs after that, but she was my first one. Yeah, um, that's lovely. Was, and you're most notably known now for your Bichon trimming, though. So how did you get into this breed? So where did that transition come from, from Jenny, the rescue colleague yeah. cross, to, to Bichons? It was, um, yeah, quite different. Um, well, basically, I mean, when I first started grooming, and for, well, for quite a while after I'd been grooming, really, Bichons actually were always my complete nemesis to trim. Mm. And... If someone would ring up with a Bichon, I'd be like, oh, I'm quite busy at the minute. Um, <laughs> I really would try and put off because I did struggle. I struggled with them a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my mum decided that she wanted to get a Bichon. So um, we, we, we got a Bichon and um, obviously she wanted me to groom the Bichon, um, Arthur. And um, I started learning that way um, and a few disastrous haircuts at the beginning but you know and then I just I struggled with I think it's Bichon's it's 
it's the getting the proportions right is ah yeah absolutely very it's very difficult because it's that's that was one of my biggest struggles with it mm. I would do the dog and I'd look at it and I I could see that it wouldn't look right but I, it was picturing putting together what bit wasn't right to mm-hmm. make it look right if that makes sense yeah um, so I really struggled with that a lot and um, I wasn't a natural scissorer like some people can pick up a pair of scissors and very quickly they can get um, a rhythm going and I didn't find that easy either I really had to work at it a lot mm. um, and then I started seeing a slight improvement I was like oh actually this is getting I'm getting a bit better at this and I think when you get a bit better at something it kind of spurs you on to keep going to keep getting yeah. better and better yeah um, so then yeah I just went for it and took him to a couple of dog shows and it just went from there really I think that owning a breed, so yeah. that's that's how I got better and better at poodles, is literally through owning them and having to yes. trim them all the time and just yes. trying to better each trim, just thinking, yes. yeah, that wasn't so great. That, you know, I think it's the ability that, not when it's a grooming customer, but when it's your own dog, you're looking at those dogs all the time. Oh, yeah. So you're taking <laughs> them home and you're watching the whole haircut potentially fall apart. And you oh, think, yeah, oh. I've been there. Or when <laughs> it's moving. the living room and you're like, oh, my God, what have <laughs> I done? I've wrecked him. <laughs> I think but then you have what... a good day and you think, oh, actually, that doesn't look too bad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think that what I find tricky with Bichons is doing so many poodles. It's trying to not poodle my Bichon. Yeah. You know, yeah, they're, I, they're I actually... have the exact same yeah. problem, but reversed. If I have a poodle come into the salon, I'm like, that looks too much like a Bichon to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I know, I know that one. <laughs> Um, well, I trained originally with Zoe, so yeah. we did a lot, a lot of Bichons, and um, yeah. my first grooming competition was with a Bichon cross with a lasso that she'd lent me, and right. I had to do a Bichon trim, and so I think the first maybe three or four competitions I did were with the breed, yeah. and then I sort of then fell in love with poodles and kind of went in that direction, so I was nearly, I was nearly You're on nearly. that path. Yeah, you were nearly there. Yeah, I did. Um, I did some training with Zoe as well. Um, mm. I did my level three uh, intro with with Zoe. Yeah, and, same. Um, I did. I did do a, a. I did a Bichon day one day with her as well. Um, her old dog, I think it was Russ. Yeah, me too. Yeah, must yeah, have been about spent, the same time, maybe. Yeah, I spent a day scissoring him. And like at the end of the day, I was like, God, I'm never going to be able to do this. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah. Zoe's a good teacher. Yeah, she's such a good teacher. Now, what advantages has working with a kennel like Pamplona had and how did this relationship come about? Well, basically, I'd been to a couple of shows showing showing Arthur and um, I was at the Bichon Freeze Club of Great Britain Championship show. I can't remember what the exact year was, but Michael and Jeff were there, mm-hmm. who obviously they are Pamplona. And um, I was showing Arthur in the ring, not very well. <laughs> and Mike pulled me to one side afterwards, and he said, "I oh, want you." Knew, he obviously knew I was new, you know, oh to show him so nice. and stuff like that. Yeah, he um, gave me a few pointers, you know, handling mm-hmm. things in the ring. Um, and then at the next show I went to, they they were there again, and I just got chatting to them, and you know, as you do, as you you know what it's like at the dog shows there's a lot of waiting around sometimes so once Mm -hmm. you've got your dogs ready or after judging or whatever 
you can uh, have a good old chin wag and well quite a lot of them have a bit bit of a bitch don't they some of them <laughs> but it's all part and parcel of it but yeah um, and it just it grew from there really I started um I built a good friendship up with Michael and Jeff and they were so knowledgeable about mm. all aspects of the dog showing world not just Bichons you know um they just they just have so much knowledge without even without even specifically telling you something that they want to tell you they can just speak about something to do with that sort of area and and you're like just, ding 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 this is yeah fascinating. so many answers to so many questions yeah. in like one sentence and they don't even realize that they've said it because they've just been doing it for so long and they're so knowledgeable mm, um, yeah and they liked the work they liked my trimming and that that I'd been doing on some of the dogs and then I just started helping them a little bit more at the shows. I'd set up with them at the shows with my own mm-hmm. dogs. Then I was helping trim their dogs, some of the dogs that they were showing as well. And then it just grew from there, really. And then obviously I went into, I've had a couple of dogs in partnership with Michael as well. Um, so that's been really good. You know, we've had some some great times. Really good. And, and so nice that, yeah, so nice that they came over and helped you at the beginning because... Yeah. Yeah, I think it, it some is. people think that the show world is quite a scary yeah. sort of world to get into because, yeah. you know, it can be a bit of a closed camp in, in some it can areas. Be. Yeah. It can be, definitely. There, there, there is that, es- that aspect to it. Um, but uh, from my experience of showing, mm. people, if, if you show a keen interest in it and, and, and yeah. a lot of the breeders and the exhibitors that have been doing it for such a long time, they they kind of embrace the fact that you want to learn more about their, the cho- you know, their chosen breed or, and, and most of them, as long as you don't go up to them while they're getting their dogs ready before the ring and stuff like that. If you've got any questions or anything that you yeah. want to learn about, you know, if you want to pick their brains, I'd always do it after judging or if they weren't busy and stuff. And most great, of them are yeah, more, more than tip. happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're, they're more than happy to help you, you know, most mm-hmm. of them. Um, so yeah, yeah I think that when we're when you're getting your dog ready or when you're trying to because sometimes you're benched quite far away from your ring. Yeah, and so well, you're trying to keep an eye out for when you might have to go in. So it's really a bad time to try and approach somebody and talk yeah, to them. Definitely. So it's a great tip to go if you want to talk to somebody who's showing or get any advice, it's yeah. come when they're packing up. <laughs> definitely, yeah, definitely. Even better yeah, if they've won. And then they'll be in a really good <laughs> yes. mood, and then they'll be more than happy to help you if they've just had a win. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely what does a typical day look like in the smith household for you in the smith household yeah well, uh in the smith household it's usually a very early start thanks mm-hmm. mainly to my partner's job um and i tend to get up uh quite soon after he leaves but i what usually does, what does he do he's a delivery driver for hot point so if you order a washing machine or a cooker he'll be the man bringing it to you he's the, he's the man with the muscles He's the man, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he is. <laughs> He'll kill me now when I get off here. Um, yeah, so he goes off to work and does that. And then I usually rise a bit after he's left and I sort the dogs out. Um, mm-hmm. The usual, you know, dog chores, feeding, changing the water, yeah. picking up any poo. Um, <laughs> and then I will either go to the gym near me which opens at 6 30 or you're an early riser I thought yeah I am am, definitely um or I'll do a home workout I've been doing a lot more of them obviously in the lockdown and stuff so I'll smash out a little workout 
Yes. Whack my, whack my AirPods in and yes. get going with the beats. And then I usually leave for work at about 7.30, quarter to eight in the morning, get to the salon for just before eight. Then my first client comes at eight o'clock. Oh, that's a good day. What yeah, time do you wrap then? What yeah, time does your last I, dog leave? I like to be done by four. Yeah, that's nice. It's a nice, it's a nice time to finish. Mm. Um, nice eight, eight hour day. I, I think any longer than eight hours when you're grooming all day, it, it's just, it's a hard, it's hard job, isn't it? It's physical, you yeah. know, you're on your feet all day. I don't think I could do, obviously I have days where it does go later. If there's a, if there's a show on, I'm getting some show dogs ready or stuff like that. It can go on a little bit later, but. But you're running on empty when you're doing that. Oh yeah, you? definitely. Yeah. yeah. So I like to be done for about four, but yeah, so I'll start about eight. I'm mm. usually on my own for until, till nine o'clock. And then I have um, my bather and dryer starts at nine, Leanne. Oh, that's good that you've got a bather yeah. though. Yeah. Well, I've got, I have got a stylist as well, Natalie, that's worked with me. She's worked with me for years, mm-hmm. um, but she's recently been on maternity leave. She's had a litter. <laughs> so as, uh, as we do. Yeah, as you do. So she's she's um she's been off, but she started back a couple of weeks ago doing oh, just a couple of days a week. So that's helped me a lot because I've been like, mm, please yes, come, come back. back. I can't cope with all these dogs that need haircuts. <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah, and then we just crack on and yeah great do you try and make sure you have a lunch break or do you just work well, through i try to but nine times out of ten i'm one of these people when i'm grooming i never know when to stop on a dog mm. i'm like you know you have to sometimes i'm like you have, i have to tell myself look yeah that looks okay put the dog away move on to the next one but if i had my way i'd spend hours making them all look perfect but you can't earn a living unfortunately being that panicky about it <laughs> i am so guilty of that rich i can faff mm. on and faff yeah. on and i'm the um, world's worst faffer <laughs> oh and i just think it, it's a it's a dog grooming client it's not they're not paying me to prepare the dog yeah. for a show ring or a competition yeah. it's yeah. just a dog grooming client put the scissors down <laughs> yeah oh I feel your pain mm-hmm. every day <laughs> but if I've got a bit of extra time I do like to spend it so then I can get a photo because obviously yes. that element yes. of my job is so, so important nowadays as I well, find it, it takes longer to get a bloody photo than a good haircut <laughs> sometimes <laughs> I really do I'm like oh I've got his head down it's dropped its tail <laughs> yes. yeah then you do one then you get one shot that looks great and then you notice one little bit and you're like, that's the only bit I can notice now on that photo that just yes. does not look right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm, so, I'm so, I'm hypercritical with my work as well, so. Me too. But I think that's a good thing sometimes. Yeah, because it, then we're always trying to get better. Yeah, you're always striving to be, you know, like you say, better. Better. Yeah. <laughs> better. 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 <laughs> Better. That's it. Sorry. That's my Catherine accent coming out there. <laughs> it's great. So boasting time for you, Rich. Tell me about your proudest moments. My proudest moments. Yeah. Well, there's probably about three biggies that I can think of. Uh-huh. Um, and the first one would be when I was runner-up groomer of the year in 2013, I think it was. Amazing. That was good. That yeah. Was really, yeah, that was really good. Um, and after that, it would be, it would have to be the most surreal one as well was when Pablo won the group at Crufts. Yeah, I mean, I saw that. Yeah, 
that on was, socials. That was that, that was, was really crazy, powerful, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it was. It was just amazing to be co-owner of him, um, and you know to help getting him ready. You know, mm. and from watching him from a puppy and coming all the way up, and then going and you know doing so well, and then. Being, I remember I used to watch Crufts every year when I was a kid on the TV, and I loved yeah, of course, it. And I used me to go too. every year, you mm-hmm. know. And I was just, I always was like, well, I really want to be part of that one day. I really want to be part of it, and I, I've always loved it. And um, to that Sunday night when we were get we in before best in show, you, you all the group winners, you're you're in like a designated area, like a holding area, like, aren't you? Yeah, and yeah, there's but... like security on the front of it. You know, you, I really felt like you know someone important. <laughs> You thought you were the dog's what's it? I thought I was the dog's <laughs> what's it. And I was, we, had, we had Pablo on the grooming table and me and Jeff um, were getting him ready and we were working on the dog. And I was just like, this is actually quite surreal. I'm actually yeah. getting this dog ready for best in show at Crufts. And it's what I've always loved ever since I was a kid. Like, I, yeah. I, used, I had um, tapes of Crufts that, you know, even after Crufts, I'd stick them in the tape player and watch the groups being judged and all stuff like that so I've always loved it so to be to be there like that it was pretty incredible really I think that maybe your you know your passion and you held that in your mind's eye for so long maybe why it came to fruition yeah because you really wanted that dream I really I really did I really wanted it yeah and it's it's yeah I I think you're right I really it was it's something that I never actually thought it would happen but I really, really wanted it to happen. And like you say, sometimes yeah. I think if you really want something that badly and you just go for it with all your might, you know, these yes. things can can happen. But yeah, no, that was that was a massive one. Um, and my third one was um, I was showing for Jeff and Michael. They had a beautiful Bichon Frise bitch um, <laughs> called Sakura Because um, she was fancy. She was very fancy. She was gorgeous. And I, I was sh- I shown her on and off for them for probably over a year. And she was just one of those dogs. You'd put her, she would show herself. You know, she, mm. she made me look like a great handler. You know, <laughs> she made me look really good. Bless her. She, you'd put her down in the ring and she would just go right out in front of you. Oh, lovely. She was a, she was a lovely bitch, and it was three counties show championship show. Yeah, and um, we, I won the toy group with her, and then we went back on the Sunday, and I, I ended up handling it to reserve best in show. Wow. So that was yeah, that was pretty major. I was a, that was another day where I was like, is this really happening? Because again, <laughs> when you're when you're starting in the uh, when you're starting at the dog shows, and you know you're in your class. You know, it's amazing to win your class. It's such a great yes. burst. But when you and then, but then to go from but then that you're to, chasing, you're chasing the next thing. Exactly, it's, you know, it's like yeah, you, you're trying to better it each time, I guess. Um, but no, that was a great day as well. There's been loads, but those are the three that you know stay in my mind. Were you nervous when you were handling her around that? Oh God, I'm the worst for nerves. Trust me, I'm, I I get really nervous about everything. Um, I think that's quite. I think a lot of groomers are like that, though. Yeah, you know, not so. like anxious a little bit. You know, but once I'm in the ring, I'm all right. But the build-up, horrible. Be like, don't <laughs> don't talk to me. Can't talk. Yeah, yeah, I'm very much like that. Yeah, and then I get in. Once I'm in there, 
Um, because I'm always like, oh God, is is this going to go right? Are they going to do this? Because obviously, you know, you're dealing, you're working. These they're not robots, you know. That yeah. things they could get, they can get spooked. With Bijons, you've got to watch that their tail doesn't go down. Because as soon as they lose their tail slightly, it completely uses. It, it, they completely lose that whole silhouette that you're looking for. That outline, yeah. you know. When same, same with poodles, you know, if yeah. that tail drops. Yeah, it just that's it, you know. Yeah. So. Um, if you're showing a dog that can be a little bit spooky, that's just yeah. like added pressure, you know, and you've got to try and stay calm because how, how you're feeling travels down the lead to the dog. So you've really got to yeah. keep calm as they, as that famous quote is. <laughs> so, somebody told me that um, they can pick up on the nerves on your breath, like it's in your mouth. So really, like, yeah. So when you're breathing yeah. and stuff, they can sense that's how they pick up on our energy and that anxiety. Yeah. yeah. So somebody gave me a really good tip that if you're feeling, you know, next time you're in the three counties final, <laughs> um, you need to chew on a mint or some chewing well, gum. I, do, I, have, I have a lot of chewing gum. Yeah, apparently that masks the nerves. So the dog, so it doesn't travel down the lead so much. Oh, that's a good tip. Well, I eat a lot yeah. of gum, so hopefully that will help. <laughs> that's why. That's why she she was you know she was out in front, exactly. tail up, happy as Larry. Yeah. It was my wriggle is extra after all that. <laughs> so you're so well known for your beautiful styling and your finish despite what you say about your scissoring Uh, so talk me through your routine to maintain that coat and what you do to protect areas of the coat like that especially around the mouth uh, the hock areas and that neck okay well obviously with any scissored breed you know the maintenance is the most it's the most important part of it and the preparation is the most important part of it as Mm. well because obviously if the prep's not there you're not going to get that gleaming perfect crisp scissor finish that you know we all want yeah um so if i'm like for instance my own dogs they i they get what they get bathed and fully bathed and blow dried at least once a week i'm really and if it goes over that i'm like oh god the dogs need to be done yeah (laughs) i mean i think because they're white as well it's even you've got even more of a challenge on your hands you know um because, like, for instance, we were away at the weekend. Um, we've got a caravan down uh, Norfolk, and mm-hmm. um, I got them all bathed before we before we went, and then we went away. And obviously, the dogs had a great time and stuff like that. But I'm looking at them like, God, they don't look very white now, you know. The key thing is keeping the coat mat free. Mm-hmm. You want to keep the coat hydrated. You got hydration conditioner. Like a lot of people don't realise the importance of condi- using conditioner on, on, on your dogs because it helps prevent breakage as well. Yeah, if, if the coat's really dry and bristly, it breaks, you know, course, so easily, yeah, you know. Absolutely. It's a bit like um, if we, you know, even, I mean, that they've got much coarser coat, but even with human hair, like we've got yeah. these long strands of hair. If you leave them to dry out and just use shampoo all the time, they're naturally going to become more brittle, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I can't stress enough. I mean, what I tell a lot of my clients is, if they're all like, oh, how do you keep your dogs like this and all stuff like that? Yeah. I say, all you need to do when you're brushing, you know, when you're brushing your dogs as well, just spray a little mist of uh, good quality coat conditioning spray. You know, I use the, the Relax one, the Melanie Newman one, and I love it. It's fab. I've used it. Yeah, that's it a really good idea. Years. Yeah. And if they've got a little dry, which a lot of the customers haven't, but it's just if you spray that little bit on there, it just gives it that little bit bit more protection sort of thing. Yeah. And also, you know, you've got to use the right, make sure you're using the right equipment 
as well, like the right the right brush for the for the coat and stuff like that. Don't go raking a coat. If you go raking a comb through the dog's coat and it's not been fully prepared, you're going to cause so many so much breakage in that coat and create holes and stuff like that. So yeah. you've really got to make sure that that coat can gently glide through. Mm-hmm. And those conditioning sprays can really help with your yeah they can yeah definitely. Well, but, but my what I when I'm bathing mine they get um, every dog that I wash regardless of the breed gets um, at least two baths. Mm-hmm. I do tend to con- put, use conditioner on nearly all the breeds that I have in the salon, and I never used to use much conditioner. But once I started using conditioner more, I actually really did realise the, the benefits of conditioning. You know, it's 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 really important. Um, yeah. Do you, so, so you, do you use the Melanie Newman range on all your bathing process with the Bichon then? I use yeah. I've used Melanie Newman on all, all the show Bichons. I, I use them the Relax shampoo and conditioner. Mm-hmm. Um, I use the whole range in the salon. There's there's something. There's a different shampoo for each coat type. You know, you've got you, for wire coats. There's for all sorts. Mm-hmm. But you can you can and you can kind of mix it up a little bit as well. Um, and just try different things with it it's it, it's yeah really, so you might use a bit of whitening with your relax maybe it's really good stuff yeah and you can it, you, there's all sorts like the the relax is really good because it helps the curl out of the coat when you blow dry in it it's really good for that which and, is what we need oh that's what we need when we're trying to get a nice finish on a dog exactly and also <laughs> like when when you blow dry on your dogs like they can if you're blow drying say a full coated bichon for instance mm. if you tend to blast to dry the dog too much and they end up quite a bit too dry before you start blow drying and certain areas start drying out before you get to them just i just always keep spraying over you, you can use conditioning spray on that or you can even just use even just a mist of water just yeah, to keep yeah. that coat damp until you get to it because it can dry out so easily and once it's dry you're never going to get that coat straight no you know so do you do you find that using say for a show day for instance yeah. would you still add your relax conditioning spray as well like a scissoring mist it would depend on the coat can it depend on the coat of the dog some bichons mm-hmm. can have a really soft coat so, so I would never use conditioner before a show on that on a, mm-hmm. on a show day but if it was a maintenance bath um for instance I would I Always, would yeah 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 because yeah. it really helps and you said you mentioned earlier about the hock areas the hock area on a bichon is the most that you get so much breakage on the hocks and also the tuck up area is another area that you get really you get a lot of coat breakage there as well because obviously they're running the piddling as well they're, aren't yeah they? they're peeing they're yeah bichons love peeing this <laughs> one does here yeah, he's asleep on my bed next to me. I've got a bichon on on, on the screen, by the way, guys. He needs a wash though, so don't look at the state he of it. He doesn't. He looks beautiful to me. He looks he looks perfectly clean. He still needs a wash after he's. I swear, I swear which maybe you don't know what a dirty dog looks like. I could show you one if you want. <laughs> I believe you. <laughs> so do you not band away that area around the mouth then? Generally, I've, or do you... I've never done that with mine. No, I haven't. Um, purely because. Purely because, I mean, I've been quite lucky. The ones that I've got don't tend to stain too much around the the mouth area. Yeah, great. Um, But I do know people that do band it, but I just haven't. It's not really. I mean, Mm. you know, the banding on the poodles and that, I I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know how to do that. (laughs) It's too fiddly for me, I think. It is a bit fiddly. I think the key is with banding a poodle, you've just got to be neat. Yeah. 
with it because if you leave like bits of hairs joining onto the bands at the other side then it can get knotty so yeah, yeah. but yeah I mean that's a different kind I of think thing. I tried it once and the dog basically pulled them out within about two minutes and I was just like oh it's not I don't need to do it He's no, like, you've got to get them used to having it. it done from being really little because yeah, if not, yeah. they're just going to scrub the head all over your floor just yeah. to try to get them out because it feels weird. Yeah, yeah. So I suppose it's like anything. If you want to do it, you need to start it when the dog's a puppy and yes. get used to it, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So finally, what's next for you, Mr Smith? Any goals or ambitions well, that you need oh to fulfil in the next uh, oh, year loads. or so? <laughs> Probably not within the next year, but there's loads of goals. But I know within the next year, hopefully... There might be another Bichon on the horizon. Lovely. That means there um, is. <laughs> well, hopefully, yeah. So I want to get back in the ring. It's, I've not shown a dog since, it, well, in July, it will be nearly two years, I think, since I've actually handled a dog in the ring. Yeah. Still been doing grooming and stuff for, you know, for clients, dogs and, you know, different people and stuff. But it's, I want to get back in the ring now. It's been, been a while. So hopefully that's high on my agenda. Awesome. Yeah, that sounds really good. I think everyone's going to be so excited for the shows to return. Oh, hopefully. I can't wait. Fingers crossed it will be Maybe free next counts. month. Yeah, keeping everything crossed. Everything crossed. <laughs> <laughs> He's excited. Yeah, so, so I am. I, <laughs> I don't know what's popping into your DMs, Rich. Um, maybe mm. not just dog questions. I mean, well. <laughs> you're a handsome guy and you love a dog. Oh, I do. <laughs> <laughs> My DMs are just dog questions. So I thought that maybe you'd be okay with hashing some out on the pod with me. I'll give it a go. So my first question is from Abigail on Instagram. She says, I've got a one-year-old Bichon and notice that she's starting to get some staining on her face oh. and around her mouth. I've tried okay. washing it, but it doesn't come off. Uh, so it seems to be getting worse as well. How do I get rid of it or prevent it from getting any worse? I mean, Rich, okay. age-old question. Oh, this is the million-dollar one, isn't it? Yeah. If I had a pound for every time someone asked me that, I'll tell you, I think I could be living the whole life in Dubai right now, yeah. <laughs> um, there's so many reasons that can cause tear staining, but it's quite interesting, you say, the age of the dog. Mm. Um, quite often, younger dogs can suffer with tear staining more than others, I've found, anyway. Um it can be I found also like you I've got one dog here he's never stained in his life ever no matter what he's never yeah. stained and then I've got another one and he does stain uh, and if I don't work on that literally daily he will stain it bad when I was showing him when he was young he was young the only thing really that I found worked for me and it was ever so simple I would literally wash these bits down here down I don't know how you say that bit. Under yeah, like eyes, down the, the tear tracks, yeah. Yeah, that's right. See, you've, you've got the words. <laughs> um, <laughs> basically, I would wash that... Wrong, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would wash that area and I would wash the mouth area. Every night before we went to bed, it literally would take me two minutes. I'd just literally wash that area with um, a mild, um, very mild shampoo, um, diluted and that and I would just mm. literally do that area I'd rinse it off I wouldn't dry him I wouldn't blow dry him I'd let him go to bed and that that was the only thing that worked to me but I had to do that every day if I left that's it a labor of love sleep, rich he'd yeah well I was showing him a lot at the time and I there's no way I was going to step into the ring with a Bichon with tear stains but oh, oh, there yeah. are there are lots of other things that, you, that Jeff, that Jeff wouldn't have spoken to you if you did that that would oh, cross the line I would have been <laughs> Jeff and Michael wouldn't have not have been very happy with me 
Um, but yeah, I would recommend that the lady tries a grain-free diet. That's always meant to be good. Uh, filtered or bottled water, if she can try it, depending on depending on what area of the country you live in. I think the water can be quite different as well. Yeah. Also, if, if the dog's anxious, I found that that can also that because when they get anxious, they get all het up. And um, I groom a, a Bichon at work, and for some reason, he's very anxious when he's waiting to go home or waiting to be groomed. When he's actually being groomed, he's fine. But you put him in playpen or something when he's waiting to go home and he, he sits there and he's fine but he just literally it's almost instant his eye starts you know he gets gets yeah, quite yeah. anxious oh, gosh, and, yes. and um so if, if they're if they're if, if the dog's a bit that way inclined like you know what you know the mm. sort of dog I'm on about that they're, they're a bit anxious and a bit nervous and stuff like oh, that yeah. or, or a bit you know aware too much you know aware then if they if they get themselves worked up the, the tears they obviously their eyes you can just see more. them start to run down his face and it literally just comes so if the dog's anxious then that could be another reason so maybe mm. she, you know she could look into that as well but there are many reasons some lines tend to suffer with it more than others um quite often as well a breeder said to me that they've found over the years the prettier the head they tend to stain up more so also with larger larger you know the larger the eye they they water more as well you know mm. Um, yeah. so yeah it, it is a it is an issue it's the biggest question I'll get asked I think yeah and, and no I one think, seems to have the magic cure that's the thing I think it's not really a one shoe you know fits all no. yeah it's a case of situation trying, is it yeah mm. you've just got to try different things every dog's different and and see what works for the for, for each individual dog I'd say yeah, I've heard, uh, like you were saying, grain-free diet. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. not just grain-free, but also chicken-free, because yeah, chicken's fed on grain. So exactly, avoid chicken yeah. Too. Very true. Um, and people just have to be really strict. So I have a few customers will say, oh, well, we've gone to a grain-free diet, but they really love the chicken in their dinner. And I just say, well, they need <laughs> yeah. to be really, really strict. Don't give them a bony eye. <laughs> yeah, exactly, with, the, with what you're feeding them. Uh, the filtered water, like you say, I've heard that yeah. as well. Yeah. I've heard before about the bowls, like not giving them water out of a plastic bowl. I don't know if yeah, you've heard the, that. Yeah, I've heard that as well. But I mean, I, I don't really know about that one. I don't know more. about that one. And then the, another be, but... another thing that somebody's told me is really good is Lucillin. Like you can get a Lucillin eye drop, eye drop, which is an antibacterial yes. eye drop. So yeah. when you're cleaning your dog's face, which I think you have to do all the time, like every day, is wipe that tear stain area yeah. uh, and around the mouth and things. Uh, but also I think you can get these drops that go in their eyes and they're so safe. I mean, I think they're so safe that you can even use them in bird's eyes. So oh, right. especially the four animals, but I've heard that yeah. they're really good because they're... Yeah, I've, I have heard of that name. I've mm. never tried it myself, but I, I have I've heard of that one. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because I think, isn't it the bacteria that causes... It is the bacteria, yeah. yeah. And sometimes another thing that can cause... God, there's so many things that can cause this. <laughs> Go on. I no wonder everyone's asking the question. <laughs> yeah. um, it's um, sometimes if the tear ducts get blocked as well, that can also cause problems. Oh, yeah. I've, I've had dogs before. I haven't personally. I've had dogs come in at work and they're had blocked uh, tear duct and they've had yeah. to be the, the vets have had to sort that out and that then and, and afterwards that's that's helped with the staining as well also if i've found before if if um if you've had a dog and they've had to be on antibiotics for whatever reason the antibiotics clear the tear stains up 
Yeah, because it's going back to the bacteria, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But obviously, you can't keep your dog on stuff like that purely for, you know, beauty contests. No, of course you can't. No, no. So, you know, don't put your dog on antibiotics for the rest of its life. No, well, they say, obviously, antibiotic use is so dangerous. Over-antibiotic use. Exactly. Very a lot of it in in our line of work. And they do, obviously, in the farming industry as well. Yeah. So, I think... cause um, a lot more other problems. Yeah, 100%. Now, my next is from Helen on Instagram. This We'll just make this a quick one. Hi, Helen. <laughs> <laughs> Helen, she's Helen back to me. And yeah. she says, my beagle gets up at 4.45 every single morning. Any ideas how to make her sleep in? <laughs> wow. A beagle, 4.45 a.m. I dread to think how she might wake her up because I know beagles can be very, very noisy when they I think it be. might be with some... You know, standing on the sofa, head in the air, howling. Howling, yeah, wow. Um, well, she could always send her down to me because my partner gets up at that exact time every single day of the week for his job. She might take you up on it, so... <laughs> yeah, well, maybe I shouldn't have said that. That is a tough one. I don't know where she sleeps her, the dog, at night. I mean, my dogs, well... <laughs> they're a bit all over the Bichon sleep downstairs they've got a crate that they happily go in and out of I just keep yeah. it open for them they love their crate yeah um, that's kind of like their own yeah it's their own personal mm-hmm. space they love it but then Reggie my giant shih tzu bless him <laughs> well our giant shih tzu should I say he sleeps upstairs on the bed with us oh my god Rich that's complete favouritism <laughs> oh it's terrible it's Luke's it's terrible fault it's, it's Luke's fault because he did that before I met him and then, oh, okay. then when we then we when we introduced them all together, Reggie would not sleep downstairs. But to be honest, Luke's away at the moment and he's got Reggie with him because he's still at our caravan today. So mm-hmm. while he's been away, I've actually had the Bijon sleeping on the bed with me while he's been away. So maybe that might help. Have the beagle they're on gonna, the bed. Have, have a slumber no- party with the beagle. <laughs> you're gonna have the nose put out of joint when you when Luke comes oh, no, back. I don't, know, I don't know how I'm gonna cope. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. My tips for you, Helen, would be maybe keep your curtains closed if the dog's downstairs. Yeah. Uh, walk the dog as late as possible at night so that maybe yeah, it's kind of. pee early morning. Yeah. Some of yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've had two children, Rich. <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah, exactly. exactly. Anything can happen let's... after you've had two kids. Yeah, so let's, move, let's move away. Let's side stuff away from this yes. subject. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, I mean, I think that I would either stand your ground and be a little bit strict and, you know, not embrace the routine. I mean, I don't think I'd want to be waking up at 4.45. I don't even, like, my children wake me up at 4.45. <laughs> or your other alternative, Helen, is just to do what uh, Rich does and embrace the day at 4.45 a.m. Get yourself to the yeah. gym. Yeah. Just get to exactly. bed early. Yeah. Get a fat burner. Let's, let's face get it. Going. Who's the boss around here? The beagle. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> so in this episode's Breed Focus, we're talking all things English setter. So originally called the setting spaniel, the English setter is one of the oldest gun dog breeds. There's evidence that the English setter originated in crossing the English Springer Spaniel with the Spanish Pointer and the large Water Spaniel. And this combination was to produce a really efficient bird dog with a high degree of proficiency in fielding and pointing game in the countryside. They are an athletic dog characterised by the flecks of colour in their coat. Now, the different colour varieties in this breed are referred to as Belton. The English setter is a cheeky gun dog with a gentle but sometimes strong-willed disposition, especially if it's from the working lines. I mean, apparently, I don't know. I've never owned one. 
But was it a battle of wills in your house growing up, Rich? And did the mischievous nature of your dad's setters make you appear to be the most positively saintly child? <laughs> oh, definitely. <laughs> they, yeah, no, that, it's funny you should say that because they, they are absolutely lovely, so lovable and affectionate dogs. They do have a stubborn streak, um, which, you, which you mentioned, and a bit of selective deafness sometimes. <laughs> um, but no, they're, they're fab dogs to live with. They really are. And um, they've just got such lovable, lovable natures. Mm. And they're just, they're very kind. They're very kind in their personalities. And I love them. Like, I, yeah, I they're have a set great just family like dogs, that. aren't they? Oh, they're lovely, wonderful family pets. They just, they're so lovely. They love everybody. And they're quite docile. Um, they lounge all over, you know, they just chill out on the sofa with you, you know. A bit like a lot of dogs, I guess, but they really know how to chill. <laughs> yeah. And then I was looking about how easily after train and it said that it was kind of moderate, but that probably comes back to yeah. that selective hearing. I mean, yes, the selective hearing. And, you know, I love them to pieces, but they're not the most intelligent <laughs> breeds, I would say, you know, but they're, they're, they're very nice. I love them. I've got a soft spot for them. And I probably will have one again one day when I've got yeah. a, when I've got a big house in the countryside. I'd love I'd love another English setter. So, what colour does your dad? Have? My dad had um, tries. Oh right, beautiful. Mm, and he had the show variety then. Yes, yeah, he's shown them a little bit. Um, I used to go to him to the sh- with him to the shows and that. He had two two bitches. He had Stella and Ruby. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't show heavily it was just you know open shows and the odd champ show and stuff like that he and dipped his toe in he dipped his toe in and that's kind of where my initial bug started and then I was a teenager and oh god that's the ice cream van <laughs> we'll keep it in Great. can you hear him yes. <laughs> trust him to come around now it's hammering down the road I mean but what keeps her up now well this is Ketrin I don't really go to bed that early round here <laughs> Feral. <laughs> feral, feral, feral Ketteringers. Um, take it back, Ketteringers. I, d- I didn't mean that your children are feral. <laughs> Some of them are. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, uh, but the, the setters, that's really, yeah, they're great. They're lovely dogs. And the, what about the uh, health then? Like, I don't think that when, I didn't see much, like, was it just hip issues? Yeah, I mean, they're not, some breeds tend to have suffer with a lot more health problems than others. There's no, they're luckily in the way that the, a lot of the breeders, they have, they've been working hard to eliminate various skin issues and, and stuff like that. So the, this, the, there was a few skin issues, but that's improved like a lot in, in, mm. in more recent years. You know, it's improved quite a lot. And they also use the, um, the ear testing system because some of them can sometimes uh, have deafness. Um, so they, they were trying to breeding the dappling more. Is that, you know, I, I'd, is I'd that say that so. I mean, from? I don't know that much about it but I, I think they've tried mm. they've, they've, they've tried to eliminate any deafness in the breed by the uh the BAER testing yeah thing. I don't like know I do how for pronounce it, but that's yeah yes very yeah I don't think the the issues no wasn't as you know yeah. like Dalmate as bad as you know what Dalmatians can sometimes you know yeah have. I mean they're really known for you know, aren't they they are yeah but they um they've they're very good they've they've bred out a lot of that and there's, like I say, there's no major health 
issues that I can think of off the top of my head, yeah. other than the, the skin that they've been working on and the, the issues with the deafness as well. And like you say, they get hip, you know, hip tested. And, like any big dog, really. Yeah, which is just, it has to be done, doesn't it? You yeah, know? that's it. I mean, maybe a really good alternative <laughs> if anyone's considering getting a doodle or a larger crossbreed yeah. like that maybe it's a really good alternative looking at some of these set of varieties because they're absolutely beautiful when you see them Definitely. on the move with that flowing coat they're stunning yeah they're beautiful dogs and with beautiful mm. natures they really are lovely yeah and, and i think they, they do they need regular profusely, do they no not, they're not, not too, too bad. bad not too bad i think they have you know um flare-ups you know yeah. coat change and stuff like that you know yeah. Um, but they're they're really they're really good and and with it, like you say if you're if you're thinking of getting a doodle or labradoodle you know labradoodle stuff like that a larger sort of dude you know and you're thinking about the grooming and stuff I mean I know English setters do need regular grooming but it wouldn't need to be groomed as regular as a heavy coated labradoodle so that yeah. could be a bonus in some owners' eyes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, definitely, and mm. uh, and a, a lovely British breed as well. Exactly, which they're fading <laughs> out, and we need more yes, of them around. Because when indeed. I first started grooming, I did loads of setters. Yeah, you, know, you never see loads setters of the, the anymore. Terrier breeds as well. It's it's a it's a shame. I'll, don't get me wrong; I've got nothing against crossbreeds. You know, no, yeah, I they're our bread and butter, aren't they? They are now, yeah. But you know, I'm a breed man. I love yeah <laughs> and Rich do you remember when I mean when I started grooming it was so many Shih Tzus and Westies and now I yeah. don't have and many Yorkies Westie well. clients oh yeah Yorkies Yorkies yeah. have just just lately we was actually saying about it at work the other day because we we I was grooming a Yorkie and Natalie said you know we don't do hardly any Yorkies now and I said no, no actually thinking same. about it we don't and I actually someone asked as well if if I knew of any but any any Yorkie puppies and I was like no idea so yeah it's changed so much in that aspect and do you know what i absolutely love a yorkie me too i don't know, I don't know what like you know yeah. see, i think with the general public they seem to have a bit of a bad rep but i think they're great dogs no yeah i'll do some you know over the years i've some lovely little York, yorkies really nice little dogs yeah Sometimes their coats aren't great, but if you get a Yorkie in with a nice coat, you can make them look really cute. Oh, yeah. I do one that's crossed with a Chihuahua, oh, uh, wow. but it just looks Yorkie, but a Yorkie yeah. with, like, amazing coat. Oh, great. Oh, I bet you enjoy trimming that. Love it. <laughs> you know those dogs, you're just like... <laughs> I do, I do. They're the ones make that you spend that little so bit extra easy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Back to the English setter, the group yeah, of setting dog. Oh, no, don't worry. We've got off topic. I, lo- I love a tangent. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) So the group of setting dogs didn't separate into the breeds that we know today until the 19th century. And even within the English setter, various strains emerged with two most prominent, which is the working variety and the show variety, much like we see today with the English cockers. The style that we see in the show ring may be referred to as the Laverack style after Edward Laverack and the working style, the Llewellyn, after Richard Llewellyn, who spent a lot of time developing a working performance of the breed. Now, famous English setter owners throughout history are Clark Gable, Bet David and Brigitte Bardot. Oh, <laughs> I like that. So we're going to finish off now. Now we're at the end of episode seven. We're going to round things off with a quick fire round. So I ask everybody Ooh. these questions, Rich. So I want okay. really honest answers. I'm trying my best. And as ever. My middle name. <laughs> <laughs> no bull. So are you ready? Yeah, go for it. Okay, so dog food of choice. 
Um, raw. Safe place to walk your dogs? On the beach. Number if of dogs. come back on afterwards. <laughs> yeah, yes. Number of dogs under your roof? Um, currently three. If you were a dog, what breed would you be? I would like to be a Doberman. Oh my and I think, gosh. And I think purely because I'm such a vain git, I just love how toned and sleek and bang on they look. You know, and lovely, well put together, toned. Yeah. Looks like he, looks like he works out daily, you know, and they've just got that, yeah. I'm the bollocks. Oh, they're, they're, they're the Tom Hardy of dogs, aren't they? They are the Tom Hardy of dogs, yeah. I just think they look really cool. I, I absolutely <laughs> love Dobermans, by the way. They were my first breeds. What's your fave holiday destination? Um, Lanzar- I go to Lanzarote quite often. I love it there. My dad's got a villa there. It's great. Very Bad. nice. Lovely. A bit and windy. Last... You can put up with a little bit of wind, but sometimes that's nice if it's boiling hot. <laughs> so what's your nightmare dog breed to own? Um, I think I think maybe a chow. Oh, well, I think they're beautiful to look at, but I think they can be quite difficult. I think they're quite aloof. I think they're gorgeous. I love I love the look of them. I love them, but I think they can be a bit tricky, so that would probably be a nightmare one for me. That's a wrap. Thank you so much for joining me and Rich. We'd be so delighted if you gave us a both a follow on Instagram. I can be found at Verity Hardcastle and Rich can be found at, at Rich0007. Let's just take a moment for that Instagram <laughs> handle. <Yeah. laughs> so, not one to be forgotten, is that? <laughs> 007 was obviously taken. <laughs> yeah, I weren't very happy about that one, so I whacked a few more O's in there. Yeah, so it's Rich007. <laughs> now, thank you to everybody for listening. And please don't forget to rate Five Stars and Make My Day and subscribe to Pod on the Dog. Much love!